yeah, the team that I want to beat the most every year is Georgia Tech because let's say, you know, if you win every single game of the season and then you lose to Georgia Tech to end the season, that's a failure of a season in my opinion. It just ruins the season for me because I, I truly, truly, truly hate Georgia Tech. Welcome. You're listening to episode 202 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is Tony Waller. Today, I'm joined by Mac Williams for a Spotlight series. Mac is a University of Georgia graduate who's a noted graphic illustrator and animation artist. You've seen his work on Archer, Frisky Dingo, C-Lab 2021, and The Get Down. Many thanks to Mac for joining me live from the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York. All right, today I'm joined by Mac Williams. Mac is a uh, University of Georgia graduate from Grady, if I have that right. Did I get that right? No, actually, uh, I was uh, independent study. <laughs> were, were you an athlete at FSU in the 80s? Is that how that worked? Independent study is what happens when they cancel your major while you're still in school. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. There I go. Um, but Mac Get, is a, getting uh, right into it. Mac is a, uh, Mac's a native of Blackshear, Georgia. Um, you know, the, the funny thing about this, the people you meet along the way, I even though I'm not that much older than Mac, I, can, I absolutely have – Memories of his mother being pregnant with him when I was uh, probably give or take in uh, in grade school, or elementary or, or junior high we called it at the time uh, there in Pierce County, Georgia. Mac, thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm very uh, honored to be asked, and I'm very happy to to talk with you. Well, a lot of people, especially if they don't haven't followed your career will have memories of you from your time at Georgia when you were the cartoonist for the Red and Black, among other things. And, of course, probably one of the most popular cartoons in the history of the Red and Black is Freddie Freshman. How did that come about? I've always been interested in an editorial cartooning. My, my dad, uh, who is now retired but is a lifelong newspaper man, he owns several uh, weekly newspapers in Southeast Georgia, uh, and was the has been the editor and publisher of my hometown newspaper. I don't actually even know what year he started there, but um, my entire life, and uh, recently sold it, and is retired. And uh, so I got the newspaper bug uh, kind of early on, and I really gravitated towards editorial cartoons um, because I always loved cartoons and animation and cartooning. And it was sort of a combination of those two things. And my dad used to take me. I remember uh, he took me one time in high school to go see uh, Mike Luckovich, who was the AJC editorial cartoonist, uh, speak at uh, the now defunct Atlanta College of Art, which is now SCAD, I believe. And when I got to UGA, there was a guy doing the cartoons for the daily newspaper, The Red and Black. And his name was John Najawan. And frankly, I just wasn't very impressed with his cartoons. And I thought to myself, I can do better than this guy. So I drew some cartoons, took them up to the office. The editors there loved them. They ran them the next three days in a row. And they asked me to bring in more. And so sort of the rest is sort of history. I just ended up doing it every day, um, five days a week for the rest of the time that I was in college. Start. I started five days a week my sophomore year uh, when they fired uh, the other guy. <laughs> who, uh, funny enough, uh, we eventually went on a study abroad trip together to Cortona, Italy, and uh, we're uh, really, really great friends until this day. I was just at his wedding a few weeks ago, uh, John the Ninja Najawan. Uh, so we started off as uh, arch rivals and uh, 
have uh, ended up as very, very good friends. Well, that's kind of how it is. Luckily, you didn't end up working for him, so that's a bonus, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. so you know, the other thing that you probably are most famous or infamous for was being uh, Microphone Man out in the right field uh, at Foley Field, and you had you were here at a great time to get to do that. It's really it was a really great segue there because uh, I was one of uh, two Megaphone Men on Kudzu Hill, the other being John Ajawan, who I just mentioned. So. He and I were uh, the we were already you know really good friends in college even before uh, uh, I left and so uh, he and I were hanging out with our buddies one day we had this little toy megaphone and we got the idea to go down there and sit on Kudzu Hill and yell at the baseball players and we figured that we'd probably get to do that for about 20 minutes before they kicked us out or made us leave or whatever but much to our astonishment. Um, no one said anything. No one came and bugged us. They, everyone thought it was funny, and uh, you know, us both being cartoonists, uh, I like to think that we were we we or at least we thought we were funny. Uh, I don't know what everyone else thought, uh, <laughs> uh, and we sort of realized very quickly that uh, the more beers we drank, the less funny we got to everyone around us. And so we we didn't drink while we were doing it, and uh, we ended up going. I think that. At least one of us was at every single home game that year for the 2003 uh, season. Both of us independently were named fan of the game at different games. <laughs> the team seemed to really like us. Uh, coach seemed to really like us. The athletic department hated us. They would they send there. I forget the guy's name, but there was somebody who was like an assistant AD, and they would send him out there every now and then to sort of like get onto us and tell us to stop and ask us to stop. And at that time. Uh, Kudzu Hill was was not on UGA property, and so we were able to kind of do whatever we wanted. That's why people could sit out there and drink and watch a game. Um, it wasn't a big deal. Unfortunately, uh, we ruined it for everyone because the next year, because of us, they issued they they conducted a property line survey, determined that that hill was on UGA property, fenced it off, and stopped letting people bring coolers and beer and drink on kudzu hill so it was a little too much of a, a good thing we ruined it for everyone <laughs> so we were thought of very fondly during the season but as uh by the next year we became uh, persona non grata uh at uga uh baseball games we were uh not the most popular people any longer <laughs> Well, you know, all good things must come to an end. It's sometimes too much fun can be had, I guess. I don't know. It, I just, I just remembered, I remembered y'all being out there and, and appreciating the uh, fervor with which you supported George baseball and the in-depth research you did about right fielders around the SEC. I will say that I, I feel like nowadays I don't even know if there would be if it would be as interesting or funny to do something like that because nowadays everyone's whole life is online on social media. You know, we were doing this in two thousand three before Facebook, before MySpace, before any of those things. So we had to be real detectives to like find out information about these right fielders. Um, one of our favorite things to do is, um, at that time, most universities would have a student directory. And usually the students, that information was filled out at whenever the students got to school. And a lot of them didn't have whatever their new phone number or their new address might be. So the addresses and phone numbers in the student directory were often their home addresses back where their parents lived. And so we would get these phone numbers and we would call and pretend to be reporters for whatever the school newspaper was called. I forget, <laughs> you know, I remember I'd call and say, 
this is Kilgore Trout. I'm a reporter with you know the Vanderbilt Naval newspaper or whatever it was, whatever the Vanderbilt newspaper is called, the Daily Sailor. And uh, we just wanted to interview you. We're doing profiles and all the baseball players on the team. And as you're, you're, this week is your son. And we just have a few questions. And we would ask, like, what's an embarrassing moment from his childhood that you remember? What was, uh, what's a really funny story about a time when he made an error in Little League? Or is anything like that? And we would just kind of pretend to be reporters. And we'd ask a lot of innocuous questions and then mix in the questions where we were really mining for material. You know, we'd also because it's the SEC and because we we knew a lot of um, we knew some, you know, athletes and uh, people around school, like a lot of times athletes or people that went to high school with other baseball team players would come to us independently and be like, oh, I went to high school with this guy. Let me tell you about this story. Like once we got known, people just started bringing material to us. We didn't even have to, like, seek it out as much. And so, you know, and a lot of it just was, you know, good old fashioned heckling like any old-fashioned heckling you just take a look at the guy and make fun of something about his appearance or if they if god forbid they committed an error something like that so it was it was it was a lot of fun at the time uh like i said uh the fact that we ruined kudzu hill for everyone sort of uh, sort of uh puts a darker shadow over our legacy uh but we had a good time when we were doing it that is amazing. I had I had no idea. Of course, it never would have cur- occurred to me that there would be that that level of subterfuge just to get that information. But that is uh, that's pretty amazing that you y'all would go to that. I'll be honest. Like we we got as much of a kick out of like pulling one over on like their parents or, or tricking people into giving us information or finding the research was just as much fun for us when we would found, find good material. Uh, as it was to be out there and, and heckle the players, it was we we just really enjoyed <laughs> the chase, so to speak, uh, to find a, a good piece of intel. Man, well, obviously it's paid off because you uh, look. You've always had a great sense of humor, and I can say that because I've known you personally a little bit. But yeah, you know, some of the stuff you've done since you graduated is you can be really proud of me. I remember when Archer first came out, and it's like I know a guy that's directing some of those. Um, it's, you know, that was with Floyd County Productions in Atlanta. What are some of the other things you worked on that you did? What Squidbillies or no Skylab, right? Sea Lab. Sea Lab. Yeah, I'm sorry. Skylab. You put them, put them, put them together. Squids underwater. Skylab under, also under. Yeah, Sea Lab. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's actually the first uh, job I did an internship there while I was at UGA, and that was my first job out of college. Was this is right after Adult Swim started up in. Uh, I was a, a designer and animator on, on C-Lab, and then we did Frisky Dingo for Adult Swim as well, and then that kind of rolled right into Archer for FX. And so I was um, the animation director for Archer for the when we developed the show, did the pilot uh, the first season. I think I ended up uh, animating on, I don't know how many episodes, but like 60 something episodes of Archer that I've, I worked on in some capacity. Um, I was only director for first season and then I, and that's when I left and came to New York and went freelance. Yeah. So since you've gone to New York, you've, you've gone on a further success as you started a production company called pig apple. Uh, but you're currently on hiatus from that because you have a, a quite a popular show that's on uh, Showtime right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of taking a, a break, from my own company, uh, I'm working right now uh, for CBS on uh, our cartoon president, which is on Showtime. We got new episodes coming out uh, 
in 2020 to time with the election year. So it should be pretty interesting. We're just getting started. I think we have about four scripts that we're working on right now with more coming in every week. And we are, it's, you know, to be honest, it's, it's actually kind of crazy as, as insane as the administration has been for the first few years that we were doing this show right now, things are even more up in the air, uh, I think than maybe they've ever been. So it's, Kind of difficult. We have about, I think it's a, from script to air date, I think is 14 weeks. Um, so a lot can happen in this administration in 14 weeks that can make your cartoons feel very, very dated. So that's a, a struggle that we, uh, that's a struggle for us, you know, every day. Where I'm talking to you right now is actually, I want to just throw out there, we, we, we work, uh, as we're produced by Stephen Colbert and The Late Show, and our offices are actually at the Ed Sullivan Theater building, which is very, very cool for me as a huge David Letterman oh, fan. Wow. And I'm actually talk I'm actually talking to you right now from David Letterman's private movie theater. Like it's the room. It's now an audio recording room for for our show. But uh, when we first moved into the building, it was still like a little private movie theater. This is where like they would send movies before they were in the theaters so that letterman could watch them and then like talk to the guests about them on the show and so they like send a reel and there was like an old school real deal movie projector in here uh that we had to have taken out uh where they would just show him these movies and he would and so I, to me that's just i love david letterman this is like just being in this room is very cool to me so i just wanted to throw that in there uh, and a little humble brag about uh where i'm talking to you from I am surprised you didn't leave with that. I would, I would tell everybody that. That is amazing. Um, so you know, it's interesting. I was going to mention Colbert is he's a creator of the show, and I, I assume a contributor. Um, so you know, there is. I guess there has to be a huge difference between the things he does, where he literally can take material from yesterday or even in the morning of and put in a show, but with a fourteen-week lead time, y'all kind of have to. You have to massage stuff and be careful about how you approach it. How often do you have to, like, well, we can scrap yeah. that one? Oh, uh, well, we've been very lucky, and we've we've never had to fully, like, scrap a whole episode or even um, a major storyline because we try to keep the scripts. And I, I don't do any of the writing. Our, our writing team, I do not envy them. They are incredibly talented people. And uh, our showrunner, RJ, uh, he tries to keep the scripts very broad. Um, and then what we do is it's a little bit like SNL. We do a, a what we call a topical. So the week the show airs, the first two or three minutes of the show, we make it in the three days before the show airs. So that opening bit of the show is hyper topical about whatever's going on that week. And that sort of lends an air of like, uh, topicality to the rest of the episode. And then a lot of, you mentioned Colbert, one of his big, like one of his major contributions is like, he uh, does a lot of like uh, work on, you know, uh, suggesting jokes and stuff that are of the moment. Like, Hey, what if you now, now this joke is dated because it's been, you know, six weeks since you wrote it. What about uh, if you change it just this way or something like that? I think, and he, he's, he's an executive producer on the show. And so he deals more with our our showrunner on a day on a day to day basis, and also he has you know obviously his own show that keeps him extremely busy. Usually it's like the most we all have to change is like 
the punchline or the setup of a joke or maybe like a whole joke, but just verbal stuff, like just dropping in a new line here or there. I think a couple of times we've had characters who left the administration and we had to like kind of get that singular character out of the show. Um, but it's never been like a major character where, where it damaged the storyline in any way. The closest we came, I think was with Sarah Huckabee Sanders last year. And then I think, um, general McMaster, when he left that he was a character on the show, but they seem to time the leaving the administration around our seasons. So, so far that's worked out well for us. Well, that's, that's very kind of them. So let's, uh, let's change gears real fast. So one of the reasons I wanted you on here is you like me being from Southeast Georgia. I, I think I can say this with some confidence. You find the, the George Florida game to be the most important game of the season every year, certainly from a party perspective and a time in Jacksonville perspective. But um, I mean, I have that right. Don't I? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least it's it's definitely the most important for me personally because I've uh, this will be my it's a it's a family tradition for us just being so close. And I grew up going to Georgia games with my dad. My dad went to Georgia. I don't even know what my first Georgia game was. I don't remember. It was just sometime when I was before I could form memories. So I've been going to Georgia, Florida since I my senior year of high school. This is my twenty second consecutive that we're about to go to and then this will be my dad's 48th consecutive georgia florida game oh wow so i've got a long way to go to catch up with him i need him to stop going so that i'll ever have any hope of catching <laughs> catching him well yeah i knew he had been to a lot of them because i remember talking to him i mean i've like literally seen him at georgia florida games but just remember talking to him about his streak probably 20 years ago um just yeah, yeah. thinking i mean i hope to get there and you know, I haven't. I, I'm not going to get to go this year. But uh, it's funny. When I lived in D.C. and in Illinois, it feels like I went to more games when I lived there than I'd go living in Athens. But I don't think that's exactly true. But you know, do you have? <laughs> what's your favorite Georgia Florida memory? Oh man, that's tough. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's it's the first one that popped in mind when you asked me that. Because but this is kind of unrelated to the team doing well. Like my my favorite would be the first time I saw us win, which I guess would have been David Green's senior year. Is that right? Like that sounds right. That, um, that was the first time we won since '97. So I didn't go in '97, and then so I went and started going the next year in '98. Bill Goldberg, I believe, led the team out. We didn't win the game, but I got to meet Bill Goldberg and get his autograph. And that at the t- at 1998, that was that was a big big deal. Oh yeah, no, I remember. I, I actually was at that game. Came down from DC and went to the game with our friend John Dupont, who I want to say had oh, yeah. Steve Jeffords sideline pass to take pictures. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That I think makes, I, yeah, yeah. I think he I think he went. Uh, I think he went all familiar names to us, but maybe not to everyone in the audience. Right. But I think he, yeah, all great guys. I'm sitting here thinking your, so your first one would have been what? Oh, three, oh, oh, four. Right. Yeah. That would have been the first win would have been, wait, was it? Well, yeah, maybe it was oh four. I can't remember if it was oh three or four. Why I'm, you've, you've, you've stumped me with my trivia here, but, uh, whatever year that was, I just remember just being like yelling and screaming on the cell phone to my friends who were, did not come because they'd given up. Uh, you know, and then being like, you know, we did it. I, I'm here. You're not here. <laughs> Why aren't you here? I just remember being very upset that my, my friends, that my college buddies weren't with me. Um, that one stands out very, very high uh, in my mind. I was going to say the other one 
which is like both a terrible Georgia Bulldogs memory, but a great Atlanta Braves memory is uh, I actually did go to the game in 95 in Athens, which was when Spurrier hung 50 on us. And then my dad, after the game, was like, we're going to Atlanta and we're going to the World Series. <laughs> and we went to Atlanta and we couldn't get into the World Series, but we were outside the stadium when the Braves won the World Series in 1995. So that's a, that's a, that's a Georgia-Florida tangent. But uh, my dad was so, like, the, the game is so horrible. He's like, we got to turn this day around. We're going to the World Series. <laughs> that's really cool, Mac. It's, you know, it's- Funny, Scott talks about that day a lot, uh, the 1995 uh, World mm-hmm. Series, uh, the half, half a hundred of the Sanford game, just in terms of, like, he, he kind of like, I couldn't even enjoy the Atlanta World Series in 95 because of that. So I'm, that's awesome that y'all that y'all went and, and saw that, um, in Atlanta, or didn't get to see it, but actually went and hung out and was part of that, that scene, because it's just really neat. Yeah, it's like, you know, it was a lot of people that, because there was a lot of people that couldn't get tickets. I mean, there was not a ticket to be had at, at any price, and but there was tons of people that were just, had TVs, you know, with the antennas old school, watching the game in the parking lot. I can't remember. I think my my dad got mad at my stepmom, at, uh, at Cheryl, because she bought like a score, like one of, you know, they hand out those things after the game that had the score on it. Uh-huh. This is a, it's kind of an old thing. They don't really do that anymore, but they would print out these things with the score, like souvenir cards you could buy. And she bought one before the game was actually over. And I, I, I can't remember if it was her or my stepbrother that bought it before the game was actually over. That's a terrible and idea. I remember, yeah, yeah. I, just remember, I remember it all worked out that time, but it was really playing with fire. I don't do superstitions that way. Some things you don't mess with. You don't talk about a new hitter. You don't. Right, yeah, I mean, I'm not a superstitious person either, but yeah, I'm not superstitious either, but I uh, that was a little much for me. So what kind of what? I guess it's just the proximity. That's why Georgia, Florida means so much to you. Is Florida kind of like the team you most want to beat? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's the proximity. It's the proximity, but it's also like it's, you know, I go every year. I sit with my dad. You know, I haven't lived at home uh, since 1999 when I went to Georgia. So after um, I graduated Georgia, I, I lived in Brunswick for about, a cup of coffee and then I moved to Atlanta and uh, from Atlanta went to New York. And so I've gotten progressively further and further away from my family uh, over the years. And so this is like a thing every year, me and my dad, uh, you know, get to go and do this and then go sit and enjoy the game together. And so it's important to me in in that respect. Um, The team that I want to beat the most every year is Georgia tech. Uh, I'm old school in that way. Like I know a lot of the, the, the new fans think that we should cancel that series. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of heresy in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the team that I want to beat the most every year is Georgia tech, because let's say, you know, if you win every single game of the season and then you lose to Georgia tech to end the season, that's a failure of a season. In my opinion, um, you cannot lose to, to Georgia tech, uh, and to do so, uh, and it just ruins the season for me because I, I truly, truly, truly hate Georgia Tech. You know, it's interesting because we've had this discussion multiple times that I, I long adhere to the notion that depends on what part of the state you're from, which team that you want to beat the most. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. for me, it's, yeah, it's I always Florida, true. right? It's always Florida. And the interesting part is, you know, I'm, I am some older than you, but it doesn't – but I want to beat Georgia Tech. I hate losing to Georgia Tech. But I would put Georgia Tech at the minimum behind um, Florida and South Carolina 
uh, as far as teams. And maybe, and, and probably you feel the same way about Georgia Tech I do about South Carolina. It's like their happiness insults me. Um, oh, just, oh, just, I agree, hundred percent. It's it, it's just repugnant to me. I have South Carolina family. It's and I only hear from them whenever they win. Like I, you know what I mean. I have cousins. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't hear from until South Carolina wins. And then, uh, you know, it's there's lots of debates about this this kind of thing. Like, who's Georgia's biggest rival? Which fans are the worst? What team do you want to beat the most? Like, for me, it's Georgia Tech. But I think it's a very personal decision that can be influenced by any number of factors. I do agree that, like, where you're from in the state, you know, if you're over from the southwest corner, you're going to hate Auburn. If you're from the northwest, you probably hate Tennessee and so on. Uh, you know, South Carolina, to me, the, the, you know, they are just the worst fans. They got an Alabama mouth and a Vanderbilt trophy case. I detest South Carolina fans. Uh, but it's easy for me to say that uh, this year, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't need so, the motivation uh, any year, but this year especially. Right. Yeah. It's especially, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it real, real. I'm feeling it a lot this year. One, one day I decided tech was my least favorite. And I just, I, you know, even anyone who's a Facebook friend of mine knows, uh, I post a lot on tech hate week. I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important for any George Bulldog to truly hate Georgia tech. No, no matter how we are doing in the sec, you got to maintain your, uh, focus and your priorities on really hating Georgia tech. Yeah, and switching gears one more time, I do want to talk to you because you are, I mean, there are plenty of people that are experts on Jack Davis, the 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 great, the late illustrator. Um, how how did your love of Jack Davis's work come about? You know, it's I'm, I'm so glad you you ask and and mention Mr. Davis. Uh, the, it's a I can tell you exactly how my love of his work came about. And it's from going to Georgia games when I was a little kid and getting a souvenir Coke. And he illustrated, you know, the, the Bulldogs on the cups, the plastic uh, cups at the stadium. And I just always was just completely enamored and fascinated by these drawings, these cartoons and genuinely Jack Davis. I, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have my career. I wouldn't be doing what I do. A lot of my love for cartooning, for animation, for illustration, uh, originated at, at Sanford Stadium looking at those cups. Like, I would, you know, I'm a little kid, so I'm not even paying attention to the football game. I'm just pouring over all the details and his illustrations of this bulldog, you know, beating the crap out of the, the other mascots of the SEC. And every year I would look forward to, you know, every year there would be a new illustration on the cup uh, for years. And um, that's, that's how I uh, fell in love with Jack Davis and his artwork. Um, and then uh, I was fortunate enough, uh, my senior year at Georgia, uh, I got to work with Mr. Davis, actually. Uh, there was a documentary about UGA that uh, was being produced, and he and they had basically hired Jack Davis to uh, do the artwork for animated opening credits. Um, but Mr. Davis didn't really have a whole lot of experience with animation. He was more of just a traditional illustrator. Through just some happenstance, uh, I became the intermediary to go back and forth between Mr. Davis and the animation studio, which is uh, wild hair in Atlanta. Uh, I don't believe that studio is there anymore. I'm not sure. But since I lived in South Georgia, I would go and I've got to visit him at his studio um, in St. Simons and like work with him on kind of explaining to him how you animate with computers because 
you know, we weren't animating this the traditional frame by frame way. You know, he's giving us pieces of artwork and we're making digital puppets out of them. And I don't want to get too technical with it, but it was just like, I can't even emphasize enough what a dream come true it was for me to to even be in the same room as him much less working on a project with him and so that was uh really really incredible and then uh you know i just was a just been a huge fan and, and the more and more i learned about him obviously the more and more impressive his career is it's like doing uh illustrations for cups at the football stadium is is you know, the least of his accomplishments, frankly, like, I mean, this is one of the founding artists of Mad Magazine. Um, he's, you know, one of the most renowned uh, commercial illustrators in the history of the United States. Uh, just a truly, truly uh, a titan of his art form. And uh, the fact that he went to UGA and was such a huge Bulldogs fan does does tons of, did, you know, he did tons and tons of Bulldog artwork. I believe he did some editorial cartoons for the Red and Black back in his day. Um, so yeah, I just a huge, huge Jack Davis fan. Can't, can't say enough about the influence that he had on me and, uh, my career. It's just, uh, or, you know, I, you know, it's just, I you wish he was still around today. He was, you know, churning out incredible artwork basically up and he retired, I think a, a couple years, maybe before he passed away, but he's just, uh, just an amazing artist. Wow, that's uh, that's really cool. You know, it's one of those things where I, I, anybody that, if you don't know the name Jack Davis, if you're a long-term Georgia fan, you know his artwork. I mean, you've seen his work on any number oh, yeah. of uh, any number of pieces of memorabilia. Um, and for the longest time, he did something special every year for the Bulldog Club of Jacksonville. Um, and it's a, you know, one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia on my office right now is from the 2010 game. Um, it, it really only because someone was able to get it signed by him, which I thought was really cool. Um, and that's just, that's really, that's really neat. And it, it creates a nice through line of, you know, he, I, again, get back to, you know, having known you, I remember you, I, you know, obviously knew your father. I mean, I got my first TV selling, uh, selling subscriptions to the Blackshirt time, uh, times. And, uh, <laughs> I got my first bicycle doing wow. the same at the Western Auto there in Blackshirt. I appreciate it, man. It's an it's always a it's always good to talk with you. You know, if you tell George fans just a little bit how to find you on the interwebs and whatnot, that'll save me from having to look it up and say in the outro. Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, thank you, thank you for having me for sure. I hope uh, I know we didn't really talk a whole terrible lot about Georgia football, but I hope that this was uh, interesting for the listeners. Um, you can find me at uh, macwilliams.com. Uh, M A C K. Uh, and then uh, I'm on Twitter at um, A-E-W-S-O-M-E, awesome, but misspelled. Um, there's a longer story behind that, but uh, A-E-W-S-O-M-E on Twitter. Um, feel free to uh, send me a, a tweet or whatever. I'm, I'm not on there super uh, often anymore for my own mental health, but <laughs> but I, I go in and check my messages every now and then. Well, Mac, I appreciate it, and thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, go dogs. Go dogs. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Mac for joining me. As Mac mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter at A-E-W-S-O-M-E. That's awesome, but misspelled A-E-W-S-O-M-E. Whatever. A couple of housekeeping notes. We will not have a regular weekly podcast this week with the off week. Many thanks to the folks at The Pine for hosting us on our post-game podcast this past weekend. We will be back next week with the Big Georgia-Florida Preview Show. Thanks for listening, and see you around campus.